Hello and welcome to what is episode two of series three of Blue Sergiati Talks. Um, myself, Paul Connolly here, and I'm joined again by Dan Kendall. How are we doing, Dan? Hello. Very well. Yeah. All right, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's not bad. It's uh, a good episode we've got coming up, isn't it, as well? You know, we've spoke last time to uh, to Kev Burgess about, obviously, playing at Middlesbrough, and you, you look at the players he was playing with, you know, Gais Comendietta choosing him in the in the training matches and, you know, Gareth Southgate, Ugo Ekiog around the place and then going into looking like Quasimodo for Darlington. Um, <laughs> and then obviously into Whitby Town where he's dressing up like a sailor on an end of season do. So some, it, uh, some good bits covered off. It's surreal, isn't it? You know, the, uh, the experiences he's had. Really enjoyed talking to him through that first bit. Like you say, you know, you're going from UEFA Cup contenders playing with some of the best players in the world, moving on, professional debuts, Quasimodo in. Yeah. <laughs> One ex- talk about the extremes of, of the um, of the game, you know. Um, real roller coaster. I think I've said that before, but I'll say it again. Roller coaster. Sums it up nicely, doesn't it? Sums it up nicely. And, and that roller coaster obviously Last time out, finished at Whitby Town, and then going in this next part, it uh, it's up and up, really, isn't it? For uh, for a for a while, anyway. Yeah, going. Um, I'm not. I, I won't do any spoilers. I know that I did a couple of weeks back, so I'll. But um, it's public record information. This back to Darlington, a very different Darlington, and what what a what a career he had. You know, having left Whitby the first time. You know, Whitby fans all know it only too well. He won some trophies, didn't he? He did, yeah, he did. Uh, I certainly know it all too well as well. I was uh, commentating on that match um, with Kev Burgess stood in front of me, lifting a trophy up. But uh, that was that was one of those. It was a bittersweet moment for uh, for Whitby Town fans, really, because you know you looked at the ex-players that were there and all popular at the football club. You know your likes of Kev, Leon Scott, Tom Portis, Graham Armstrong, all popular characters. And I think, to be honest, Whitby fans were pleased for them, pleased for you know them. Moving up the ladder, please for them winning trophies, and it was just a shame that they couldn't have done it in a Whitby shirt. Indeed, but the Darlington fall and rise—it was just such a fantastic football story, wasn't it? And um, like you say, a few ex-Whitby uh, lads who who uh, who were a, a big part of of one of the early chapters of that story, and you can't begrudge them that. You know, that's why we do this. That's why we all do it, be it on the pitch, off the pitch or whatever. It's for me, it's stories. You know, we're all football romantics deep down, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's, you know, for a player to have those stories in the career, it's it's important. You know, you look at you look at players that will go through the career. They might not win anything. They'll play for mid-table clubs all of their career. It doesn't matter what level that you're at. If you're winning trophies, you know, that's that's memories, that's stories, that's... No, that's that's teams that will be remembered by maybe some people or vast amounts of people. Something to tell the grandkids, and um, you know, winning trophies is one thing, but I think playing week in, week out in front of a big crowd, um, and there's no denying that's uh, that's what he had at Darlow. Um, can't fault it. I I'm I think he's had a superb second half of career. I I'm excited, and uh, again, listeners, we're coming to you now via the magic of post-interview editing. Uh, I'm really excited to hear the second half again. Yeah. Um, 
seeing it all the way through to the finish. Um, and also, let's um, yeah, let's get everybody ready because there's another best eleven coming. There is, yeah, and uh, some very good players in there as well. Very much so. Um, players who you won't want to meet down a dark alley. No, certainly, especially in midfield. Actually, I think that's going to be uh, that's going to be a tough one to uh, a very tough midfield, isn't it? You can say that again. <laughs> <laughs> it's not uh, not a side that I'd want to be facing up at three o'clock on Saturday. And interestingly, as well, though we've we've obviously covered off Darlington there, but as well the time at Scarborough and how that ended in particular is quite uh, quite a good story too. Oh yeah, and again, I don't want to do a spoiler on it, but no, there's some real juicy stuff. Um, and credit to Kev, it's so open again. Uh, I love it. Um, and he's, he's. Um, I think we're talking about Kev like he's, uh, he's already, uh, he's already finished up, and he's not. He's, um, I mean, COVID, COVID permitting, but he's, um, he's still writing his football story uh, at uh, at Mask. You know, uh, this is a, this is a live, active player that we're talking to. Uh, so let's not, yeah, let's not talk about him like he's done already. I think he's, uh, I think he's got plenty of years in the tank. He certainly has. Yeah. In fact, let's stop talking about him altogether and get into it because you know I think this is going to be one that, you know, Whitby fans enjoy, Darlington fans enjoy, and Scarborough fans enjoy, and Mask as well. Um, so yeah, here it is, part two of uh, Kevin Burgess starting at Darlington Football Club. Because it was Darlington that came in for return as they'd just returned to the uh, Northern Premier League. Yeah, it was. I didn't ever want to step down. The down came in a few times, uh, but I didn't want to. Even though they had the fan base, maybe it's the budget. I didn't want to step down to Northern League uh, and and play at that level. I'd watched a few games at that level and the grounds, the pitches. Uh, it, I didn't like it. Uh, I always thought Whitby Whitby standard in that league was was perfect for me. The grounds were decent. The pitches were half decent in the summer, especially. Obviously, all pitches get, you know, bobbly and a bit, you know, west for wear during the winter. But uh, it was definitely a part. Uh, obviously, all your time always comes to an end at a club. And I just thought, being on a high there, I wanted to step on. I wanted to, I don't want to go through all my career, even though it's been a decent one, without winning a major trophy. Um, obviously, quite a lot of my friends were at Darlington at the time and they were making a hell of a, a lot of noise, uh, winning promotions and then when you see the videos of like 2,000 fans turning up week in week out uh, you, you just can't help but want to be a part of something like that Totally understandable What stage were they at when, when you joined? Have they just gone into Northern league, Northern Premier League our league like the Whitby Town League yeah. Yeah, Northern so Premier they, League So, so they've been promoted because obviously they were a Phoenix club weren't they? The, the original Darlington went into liquidation Darlington 1883 Yes. were set up to to uh, and and they were asked to start again won the northern first division yeah and then so they were in so when you joined they were in Whit, they were in Whitby's Whitby's division which was the northern premier yeah yeah that's that's the one done so it stepped up the stepped at our level uh, i always thought as well one of the reasons Whitby probably didn't retain players is uh Having a little bit of insight is, I think Whitby spoke to players too late. Uh, me being a player, uh, me being a player with other players, uh, they always acted maybe it's the week of the last season or sometimes in the summer with players that have been there years. Uh, players probably not 
getting what they wanted, but didn't want didn't want a fortune, just a little bit of acknowledgement of what they did previous year. Uh, your Graham Armstrongs, your Tom Potts, and your Shane Henry, uh, and me. If I ever go into management one day, which I'd like to, or an assistant, you know, be a part of that because I can't see my life ever being, you know, without football. Uh, I would probably sacrifice a fringe player uh, to give them type of players what they needed. Why have a player that, you know, you're never actually going to bring on on 60, 70 quid when I could give that to a player that's getting me 32 goals a season. So... Yeah, understandable. And we were saying this with Chardy. In recent years, there's always been at least one northeast club and I think it's because clubs in the, from the old Northern League have started to take up the promotion instead of being being able to stay down and, and stay local. There's always been a club that's been like a hot northeast club yeah. that that's getting the headlines. It's like you say, it's exciting. It's making a lot, like you said about Darlington, making a lot of noise. I mean, in recent years, it's been Safe Shields. Before that, you had Spennymore, who were spending a bit of cash and having a go. And around that time, it, it was Darlington. Um, for all the reasons you said, I mean, totally understandable. If you're a football fan, being able to play in front of 2,000, you know, no-brainer, no total no-brainer, even if you are dropping down a division, but but you weren't by that point. But did it did it feel when you moved to Darlow, even though they were at Whitby's level, did it feel bigger? Did it feel like you were part of something more somehow? Of course it did. It, it, it was, honestly, God, it was so professional, the club. It was like I, it was like I was going back to Downton League 2. Uh, the press conferences after the game, post-match, before game training, the cameras, players' interviews, uh, the way the club was run. Uh, I think Harry Dunn went there as a, he used to go uh, watch the team that we played beforehand to give us a matching sight of who we're playing. Uh, I just remember going back uh, to the start, I remember meeting Martin Gray in Spenny, we were town, the, a local pub in Spenny, and obviously wanted to sign me that year uh, and literally sold the club within 10 minutes uh, of what, it, what, what he wants, what he wants to achieve, what it's achieved. Uh, been watching me for half a season, already knows what I'm about from my early days at Downton. Uh, mentioned the 2,000 fans who were playing at, uh, where were they playing? Bishop Auckland. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah. Honestly, God, the, the pitch was like a ball and green. Sprinklers. Uh, I think, obviously, I don't know if Sunderland Reserves or something were playing on that pitch, uh, but it was an absolute ball and green. Great setup. Uh and I just wanted—I just wanted to be a part of that train, that promotion train he spoke about. And he—I wanted time to think about it because it was a big decision for me. Uh, like I said, Whitby is a club where I look back with fond memories, love the club to pieces, the people, the volunteers, the chairman, Spenner, Graham, like Paul Goose, yourself, all of them, uh, all the players. It was a big part of, and it was a big decision whether I wanted to leave. And Martin wouldn't let me leave unless I signed a contract. He had the contract there. He was like, you're not leaving this place until you put pen to paper. If you don't, it's it's off the table, basically. So it was one of them where I was like, Jesus Christ, can I have a 10-minute phone call? Spoke to a couple of my friends, my dad, and it was just an opportunity I, I couldn't pass. Uh, I didn't go for massive money, believe it or not. I'm, I may as well tell you the truth. I didn't go for I think I was on a 30 quid extra. It was more for I wanted to win Summit and play in front of 2,000 fans on a ridiculous pitch and uh, be a part of that. 
Uh, but like I say, the, going back to the setup, uh, you had your Harry Dunn going to all these teams. Uh, you'd go before a game. Uh, Martin Gray would have the board out. He'd have their full team on the board. He'd have the strength, the weakness on every player. He'd have the height of the player that you're playing against. Uh, just the information about the teams you were playing was second to none. Uh, and like I said, you know what young players are like. As soon as they see pictures of themselves all over Twitter and stuff, like that, interviews, that makes you feel like somebody, doesn't it? Uh, and young players love that. Uh, and down and give you that. You spoke a lot about the brotherhood and how, how important it is to you in football. You had a few familiar faces already at Darlow, didn't you, when you joined? Yeah, I had obviously Tom Porters, Leon Scott and uh, Graham Armstrong. So they made me feel welcome straight away. Uh, really nervous coming into a side where it was a great team, a uh, really strong team. I watched them in the semi-final against Spennymoor, uh, about 3,000 fans at uh, Bishop Auckland. Like Spennymoor brought about 700, Darlow had like two and a half. It was absolutely electric. And I just remember being stood in the, you know, in one of the sheds, it was bouncing, flares were going off. I couldn't see, I had to move. And I just thought, Jesus Christ, I want to be, I want to be on that pitch. Uh, so well, it was just a feeling where I wanted to be there. And I seen Tom, uh, Leon, Graham playing, all had fantastic games. Uh, and I just remember coming into training, you got all your kit. Uh, I had six weeks of hard training, really performed on the training pitch and our Gary Brown, uh, unbelievable centre half and leader, one of the best yeah. best central defender I've played with and I've played with a lot. Uh, but his his mentality on the pitch and off the pitch, brilliant leader. Uh, so he was looking for a skipper and I got pulled into his office uh, on the training ground. Didn't know what it was for. I thought, oh Jesus, like what's this here? Uh, Martin Gray had this awe where you, you know he walks into a room Everyone shuts up. Do you know what I mean? He's he's one of them. Uh, and he's just basically said to me, look, I've watched you train for six weeks. I know who you are. You're an outstanding player, massive leader. You coach people through the game on the pitch. You basically, you have my ideas and I need that translating on the pitch. I want to make you captain. What do you think? And I've just stood there thinking, Jesus Christ, he wants to make me captain. I want to jump and say yes. But at the same time, I'm thinking there's some outstanding leaders out there. Like, what, what are these going to think? I'm a new player just come in, so they're already eyeing me up, thinking, does he deserve to be here? And now he wants to make me captain, so I'm thinking, Jesus. And he said, well, what do you think? I said, I'm not going to pass an opportunity like that. I grabbed it with both fans and said, of course, I'll, I'll, I'll be skipper. Do you know what I mean? I'll do you proud. So that was a, you know, a great moment for me as well. And am I right in saying year one promotion out of the MPL? Is that right? That's correct, yeah. It was my best season I've ever had in football, to be honest with you. Scoring 13 goals from centre-half, uh, getting man of the match week in, week out. Uh, just a, a season of relentlessness, just winning games. Uh, sometimes playing brutal on the day and coming out with a 1-0 win. I remember Marine, we were, we were awful that day and I've ended up getting the winner. But that's the type of mentality we had. Uh, you come into training, I'll go back to the teams I've played at. Maybe it's Whitby. Some players, I, I can say, pff, not quite a lot. I'd probably say half the team might turn up to training on a Tuesday night, Thursday night raining, and they might think, oh, I want to get training out of the way, do you know what I mean? And get home in the bath and stuff. Darlington had a squad of players there 
that were pro players, uh, wanted to be the best every single day in training and on match day. Everyone wanted to be a match winner. Everyone wanted to perform the best. Training was unbelievable. Like, if you were playing seven aside or possession, uh, some of the fights or the aggression on them just to win that game of possession was astonishing. Uh, and that's what I was all about. Uh, so that league, we were just relentless. That league, we were smashing some teams. And there was times where we weren't playing great, but we got wins. You had the momentum. You had we the did, momentum yeah. to carry you through those those sticky spells. Yeah. Yeah. And I put most of my goals down to Terry Galbraith. Uh, absolute left foot wand. Um, some people go back. I think I scored something like 12 or 13 goals for Whitby over my time. Uh, in them seasons and I got that in one season at Downton and his delivery on the button every single time and like I say I look back at some of them goals I've got it on my Instagram and Facebook some quality goals and fond memories and a bit of a painful one for Paul but I believe you lifted the trophy at the Turnbull ground honestly honestly if that's not written in the stars I, I don't know I don't know what is it was mental it was literally we had to win Win a game in the last two games of the season uh, and Whitby was second from last and I can't remember who we had. It was somebody miles away, horrible pitching setup. Uh, so we thought Whitby Town, great setup. A lot of our friends and family can make it. Uh, a lot of fans. I don't think any Whitby fans had any ill feeling towards any of us, but they could understand you know, the reasons why we left. And I just think... Some of the fans, maybe it's even ourselves, wish that we could have done that with Whitby. Uh, but obviously, for one reason or another, we didn't. And that was our chance. So I remember uh, we got told the trophy was at the ground. Uh, really nervous. A few of the lads had interviews on uh, on the radios leading up to the ground. Uh, rammed to the hilts, packed. Uh, my kids come to watch. My dad come to watch. Uh, and it was a game. I just thought, this could be a banana skin, this uh, everything's set up for a great night and I just hope we win and like I said it doesn't matter if we were probably playing Manchester United on that day we were going to win that game uh, and like I said I think we won 7-1 absolute out, the best game of the season yeah, I uh, I remember it well Kev I remember it well I'd had a shocking day and then you went and did that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Paul. laughs> um, but yeah um just sort of leads us nicely into into Nathan Cartman's question, um, who, who puts it slightly slightly differently to what we would have done. Um, he's uh, just mentioned there, how good did it feel to go back to your old club and destroy them to win the league? <laughs> <laughs> That's Nathan Cartman all over the place. Uh, it was it was a bittersweet after the game. You thought, I do wish it was against somebody else because of the way that we dominated that game and scored seven seven goals uh, but it was fitting Paul I can't it was just my family got to watch me lift something that I've grafted for for season after season uh, to be skipper to score that that game uh, uh, obviously Graham scored that game I think Leon got a goal so it was it was all happening but the elation I felt lifting that trophy when I finally got my hands on it uh, is indescribable absolutely the best, the best moment in my career, lifting that trophy in front of all them fans. Yeah, and the only uh, ex-Whitby boy not to get on the score sheet that night was uh, Tom Porters, because yeah. you, you got one yourself, didn't you, Hanley on? Yeah, yeah, like I say, I think I was had a bit of banter with Shane, and I had a, I had a broken hand that game, 
uh, I had a bandage on my head where I got. <laughs> of course, you did, Kev. You always have a bandage on Obviously, your head. Obviously, we played against Stamford the game before. We we borrowed Spennymoor's ground uh, for two games, uh, and I got really busted up in that game. Stitches again. I remember Leon coming over to me after the game. I had stitches in my head. Went back out, bandaged up, and he come over to me as I'm getting badged up and said, "You deserve to lift this title more than anybody." Uh, absolute warrior. And like I say, Tom, we just it was just all fit for a perfect day. I mean, just take us back to the changing room before that game then. And just just chat to us what that sort of feeling was like before that game and going into it. I mean, you said there you felt like you'd have won that game, whoever you were playing. Yeah. Uh what was what was Martin Gray saying to you before that game? Um it was oh, one of the nervous I've felt probably in my football career that uh, playing against lads that I've played with at Whitby Town, playing in not just in front of your home crowd as in Downton fans there, which turned out in unbelievable numbers, uh, especially on a night. I don't know if it was Tuesday or Thursday night. Uh, the crowd, you could just hear everybody outside the changing rooms being so close to where all the crowd were walking. Martin Gray just basically said, this is, this is our opportunity. He's the one who told us. He was like, the trophy's turned up here. Uh, it's ready for you to lift. All the hard work that you have put in through the season, don't let it fall now. Uh, and just literally give it, give it everything. And he had no doubts that we'd win that game if every player performed at the, the level that he knew. And they uh, and they certainly did three and up within I think it was ten minutes of the game and uh, it was, it was just I, out, out of the blocks, unbelievably. Honestly, God, Paul. The, you know, when you're thinking it's 1-0, like I remember Tomo goes through, just nicks in front of Shane Bland with his head, puts it away, and if you're thinking it's rolling, you're thinking it's going to miss, and then it rolls in, ecstatic, and you're thinking, come on, these can still win it here. So then the second one goes in. Uh, I can't remember which one that was. Can you remember Graham Armstrong's bullet header from about 20 yards out? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God, one of the best headers I've ever seen. That's absolutely unbelievable. Uh, my header, like I say, hit me straight on the headband, past Shane Bland. Leon scored a screamer. Uh, but it was just one of them where you think, it, as soon as it hit 4-0, we're not going to lose this. We, we've won it. Uh, when it was 2-0, 3-0, you always think it could still turn 3 all. You just, you just think that, you know what I mean? You just think this still couldn't be our day. But as soon as it hit 4-0, I was like, first half, we've won this. We've won this. And then the goals kept on coming. Spoil yourself not getting a clean sheet though, Kev. I know Dale Obson, out of all people, getting a header. What is he doing? Oh, brilliant. And Honestly. I mean, uh, that moment then when you're lifting the trophy and you know that you've done it must be like an immense sense of pride. I mean, you mentioned the Whitby fans chatting to you sort of uh, about that. I mean, from from my memory in particular, you know, it was it was very much a case of the Whitby fans were, were congratulating you as much as the Darlington fans were. Yeah, the way, and that's that relates to Whitby Town, and that just goes to show you everything I give to Whitby Town, they they give you back. Do you know what I mean? It's it's a club literally where that you can you have certain fans that just follow you throughout your career. You know, they just wish. I, I get about I'd say six messages before games saying good luck off Whitby Town fans. Get a couple off Scarborough and Darlow still follow you, but I just think Whitby Town's one of them clubs where I built relationships with fans, players, management staffs, all the managements, uh, just different to, to, to other clubs. I, I can't describe it. Uh, and it was just, it was just, 
it was great for them just to say, you know, well done, you know, and say it could have, they could have been better and could have said, you know, you should, you could have done this, could have done that, or, you know, shame on you. But they, they all did, they all congratulated us all, which was, which was great. I think, like you say, I think uh, it were a footballing no-brainer, you know, while you're still in Whitby's division. It's not, it's, it's a football league club that was yeah. out of place, wasn't it? Oh, outstanding. Uh, and like you said, people don't, mention this and it's weird uh, The we got promoted uh, Martin Gray straight away I think his interview, I always remember his interview you always watch the interviews of your gaffers you know, see you know where we went wrong or if the point is out being decent and his, his first interview straight after that game was uh, when does work start again and he said tomorrow morning tomorrow morning he's looking to strengthen the team and I just thought like what a manager, do you know what I mean? Just straight away thinking about next season. He'll enjoy tonight, but tomorrow we'll work starts straight away. Uh, and that season, Conference North, we got into the playoffs and through our ground at Blackwell Meadows, uh, we didn't get a play in them. It was, it's mental and, and it doesn't get talked about enough. No, I, re- I remember it well. Um, yeah. Um, and there were, it was, yeah, there was a deadline, wasn't there, to commit to certain improvements and the club. Yeah, I don't think the, uh, if I'm being honest, I don't think they thought we were going to get in the playoffs with the team that we had. Uh, but the momentum just took us there. Uh, scored another three or four goals that season. Uh, the team strengthened. Mark Beck came in, Josh Gillies, uh, to what we already had. Uh, and like I say, that, that season we were just flying again, just beating. I remember the first game, I thought, right, this is this is a step up. Uh, let's see what I'm about here. Can I hack it at this level? Uh, altering them away, red up there, losing 1-0. And I'm thinking, we're, we're doing good here. And I remember the camera, on my, one of the best goals I've scored for Downton, the camera goes on Martin Graham. He's got his hands on his hips thinking, how, how are we getting beat here? And Terry Galbraith gives a ball right in front of the standing-up end, about 1,000 fans there was that our first game of the season. And I've absolutely bullet-headed it into the top corner. And uh, the elation on all the fans there went absolutely mental. That's probably one of the goals that stick out that season. Did you go full-time that in those years? No, we didn't. Uh, we didn't go full-time. Uh, I don't think you can, unless, right. they're, unless, unless they're offering big contracts, because you've got a lot of players that have good jobs. Uh, yeah. Unless they're offering big contracts with decent money, I don't think you can because with your work wage and what you're getting already, it's it's, it's a decent income. Reason I was because there were a couple of big clubs that have found themselves in that conference north while Darlington yeah. were there. I mean, there was Stockport County as a kind yeah. of big standout, wasn't there? Kid- Obviously, F- F- sorry, Kidderminster, yeah. yeah. Uh, FC United were were not far behind you, were they? They sort of joined you up there around that time too. So you would have you would have found yourself competing at to all intents full time full time football. Yeah, well that's it. Yeah, there were full time them clubs. Uh, you were coming to grounds now, and you weren't a big fish in a little pond no more. You were you were equivalent to every other club in this division, uh, and we found that out fast uh, as you go through the levels. People say, Do you, "Is it a step up?" And the step up is in quality. Uh, the further down the leagues you go, they could have 10 chances, score one. The further up you go, you have three chances, score three. Uh, the level and quality just scores from Prem- Northern Premier uh, Conference North. It's massive. It's a massive jump. Uh, and I think that season, the momentum helped us. 
because we were league winners, uh, everyone was confident, everyone was flying. And some of the games, Halifax, uh, I remember one of my goal that's gone to Halifax. You've got another 2,000 fans going. Halifax had about two. You're playing in front of 4,000, Stockport County, 800 Darlow fans, two and a half Stockport County, Kidderminster, two and a half thousand, 600 Dalton, FC United, two and a half thousand, 800 Dalton. These games were just, it just felt like you were a professional again. Brilliant. As you move up the levels, as an, the, you're absolutely right. I've heard a few a few ex-players uh, and players say that you, you as you get up the levels, it's the um, it's it's the people taking their chances is one of the things that you notice. But the other one that you hear, and I don't know if this is a myth or not, is that the higher up you go, you get more time on the ball. Yeah, it's the pitches are a lot a lot bigger. Yeah, I remember. <sighs> going on to Mask United, playing against Brackley, against Conference North and Spenny Brewer. They're the teams we've got beat by. Uh, the pitches are huge. You've got a lot more time on the ball. Uh, fitness, players' fitness is just through the roof. Uh, everyone's a machine. Everyone's big. If you're small, you're, you're quick, you're good on the ball. It's literally, honestly, the, the standard is really good at Conference North level and it's evident to see when you step up. How many years did you have there before uh, Charlie gave you the call? I had a year and a half there. Uh, the second year I got injured, really bad injured down there. I got a hip impingement in my hip. Um, and I think if it wasn't for that, I might still be in that Darlow today. Uh, knocked me out for six months. In six months, I couldn't run. So six months of normally, I, I'm, even off the off-season, I'm running. Uh, I go to the gym every day. Uh, keep my fit as keep myself as fit as possible uh, to play as long as possible, um, and that hip impingement absolutely killed me. Uh, went back. I remember playing Southport away six months. I had out. I had two training sessions, and this is where me and Martin's careers uh, sort of friendship and you know the way we were we fell out. We're, we're all right now, but he sort of two of our players fell down it. One fell down ill, one pulled the hamstring and he told me that I had to play. And I said, I've only trained twice in six months. I can't play. I'm nowhere near ready. And he said, just stand still. Uh, your adrenaline will get you through it. You'll, you'll be all right. Uh, and I just remember that game. I had a good 15 minutes where I thought, you know what? He's right. And I just remember myself, my legs just felt like lead after 20 minutes. Couldn't move. Uh, got run all over. Uh, and from then on, my Darlington career spiralled, to be honest with you. And then uh, Martin Gray sort of wanted to move me on. Uh, and that's when, obviously, was that was that the Chardy one? Uh, Martin Gray might have left, actually, even though Martin Gray wanted to move me on. Uh, and then Tom Tommy Wright came in. Martin, obviously, and Tommy Wright were, you know, good friends. He must have told him about my situation of being out that long. And I'd lost a couple of yards and, you know... He needs to move on now where I just felt like I, everything I give to Downton, I thought they could have stuck with me a bit longer to get fit and match fit uh, and obviously stayed there. But he already made his mind up when he came in. And I just know that he came over to me and he said, uh, Chris Hardy from Whitby Town had lost me like 17 games or summit. They were rock bottom. Uh, he's, he's on about quitting needs a leader in, at the back, uh, needs to stop leaking goals, you need games, uh, would you mind going on loan there? And then I said, oh yeah, I'll, I'll give a think, I'll, I'll have a think about it. And then he rang me on the night, his mate's the Buxton manager, and he must have said, 
I'd rather you go to Buxton. I want you to go. But I said, well, why are you changing your mind? He was like, the Buxton manager's my mate. He needs a centre-half. I said, that's far too far for me. I'm literally ready to pick the phone up and say, I want to go back to Whitby. So he was a bit peed off that I didn't choose Buxton and I chose Whitby. And then that's when I went back on normal Whitby. And I remember you arriving. Hednesford away was your first game back, I believe. Was it? That, that's another one. Misty one. Hednesford back. What was the score? Too many headers that day as well. It was a nil-nil, <laughs> if I remember. I'm, I'm doing a Paul Connolly here on you, Kev. I, I believe it was a nil-nil away at Hednesford. And it was yourself and a certain Mr. Jack Norton. Yeah. Me and Jack, yeah, Jack, another another character in the game. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second podcast in a row where exactly oh, the same line has come out. Jack Norton, so. character. You won't meet another another man like Jack Norton. He is off it. Uh, <laughs> Paul's had a couple of nights out with him, I think, as well. He can uh, stand by what I've said. I can, uh, I can vouch for that, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great keeper, though. What a keeper. Yeah. Uh, and like I say, Henderson, a great setup. Uh, somewhere that I like to go and play, love playing, great ground. Uh, and like you say, first game, 0-0, that's what it was all about. It was all about making us uh, hard to beat. Uh, and we needed to get up Whitby Town out of that bottom four. Coming into that dressing room then, what was what was the feeling like after, obviously, it was 17 games without a win, as you mentioned, for, for Whitby. They were really struggling. What was the mood in the dressing room like? Uh, it was, <clears throat> you could tell it was a team that was low on confidence. Uh, I came in, I remember going to the stables where they had the pre-match meals and just some nervous tension. Uh, obviously, I walked around, shook Charlie's hand, uh, Bully and all that at the time, which I knew. Uh, met a couple of new faces, Jeff the physio, um, and I just went around, shook my hands, shook all the players' hands. Obviously, half of them that I knew, some that I didn't. Uh, and just some nervous tension before the game. And like I say, I think a lot of players were low on confidence. And I was there to put, uh, you know, obviously Charlie gets his point across professionally, sets his teams up well, uh, team talks are brilliant, uh, good insight on the away team, uh, really good blow, Charlie. I got on, along with him really well. But I just think they were missing some of that nastiness. Uh, somebody to literally drag players up off the floor and push forward and, you know, that never give up attitude. Uh, in the week, week or two before you joined, Charlie said um, to see out the season. I need, I need men. Yeah, and uh, you know, you came in, and it was different, different for Charlie. I mean, we've had Charlie on last week, and he, he spoke at length about his philosophy and his belief in football. And his Gisborough teams yeah. were always based on on young players, exciting players, etc. But it was interesting that he felt he felt he needed to get Whitby out of that season and see that season through. He needed senior pros um, and, and and so you appeared yeah uh, <laughs> it's one of them where I always have a laugh with it about Tamaka um, people think I think it's because I do I've had a decent career at the level that I've had uh, but because I do that nastiness so well you know I love a tackle I love heading the ball I love leading screaming at players arguing with the opposition it takes away from my technical side of the game where I had a good, a good pedigree in Middlesbrough and players that know me, uh, especially the Darlington players because we played some decent football, know that I'm technically decent as well. I remember I was listening to Wibby's podcast and uh, he picked his father-side team. I'm, I'm going to give him a phone call, actually, after what he said. He said something about he needs technical players so it can't be Kev Burgess. And I thought, the cheek of him. 
uh, yeah. So, but yeah, Chad, he likes to play this, you know, he likes this academy football approach. He likes to play the game the proper way, the way the Man City's play, the way the Liverpool's play, which, you know, I commend him for. But I think everybody got wise to it, uh, the way Whitby was playing, like the might of the way Gisborough was playing. Uh, and especially at our level, when the pitchers stop you doing that, teams set up on a high press. And if you're playing against young boys that want to play off in the back, you're going to get bullied, you're going to get turned over and you're going to get relegated. So I think Chardy being the bloke he was, realised what he needed and he definitely didn't want to have a relegation on his resume uh, and he realised that he needed some men in there. Did uh, did you play in the 5-0 defeat against Lancaster? 5-0 defeat against Lancaster? When was that, Paul? It was, it was sort of early January. You might not have been at the club at the point. but No, uh, I might not have been. I might that not was, have been. Yeah. That was the uh, that was the game that really was a uh, really was a shocker, and I think it was the one that that sort of made Chardy realise that uh, he needed to. to I remember that. I, I remember him mentioning Paul that game, and I think it was a regular town or a regular athletic. Regular uh, athletic, yeah, yeah. I remember him saying something about that game as well, and that, I don't know if they're about four or three divisions below, uh, and he was just on about the team getting beat off them. And, Never in a million years, no disrespect to Redcourt, should Whitby Town getting beat off them. Uh, so, yeah, so like you say, he brought a couple of experienced lads in that could obviously lead the team on the pitch. And then you had um, a younger cohort coming through, a lot of them ex Middlesbrough Academy as well. Obviously, you know Shane Bland of old, yeah. but the two, the two kind of new, new bright faces were, were Lewis Maloney, who who you know as well from from Mask, and also uh, Junior Junior Mondal, who went on to uh, Forest Green in the Football League. Yeah, uh, two unbelievable players, uh, technically gifted. Junior Mall raw is in, just so quick. Any ball over the top, you think Junior Mondal's in, and he helped a lot. You know, that outlet ball as a defender, you play in the channel. It's not a, a clearance. Some people just think defenders clear a ball and, you know, it's all that defenders need to put it in between that box and that channel. You know, that's a good ball uh, for players that, you know, are quick. And Junior was that player uh, who could get on the end of things. Uh, great player, Lewis Maloney. One, I think he's the fittest player I've ever played with. He's ridiculously fit. Uh, could run 5K in something like 17 minutes. Just half machine he is. Uh, they're more like Chardy's players, uh, and like I say, they played really well that season. And 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 of that dressing room, when you returned to Whitby, who did you uh, who did you who was your brotherhood? I know you were only there for a short period, but what was the new brotherhood like? Uh, I'm trying to remember who, who was there. I think Cal Patton was there, great lad. Uh, Rio, who I'm centre half with now, uh, outstanding centre half, quiet for a centre half, but all the attributes what a centre-half needs, just probably, I think Rio really could have stepped up if he has what, basically if he had a bit of what I had and I need a bit what Rio has. He's strong, athletic, uh, good in the air, but I just think Rio misses that aggressiveness. Uh, so I got along well with Rio. Uh, Luke, by the way, good, that first time I met him, uh, he's a character as well, uh, one of the loudest in the dressing room, funny bloke. Uh, so yeah, a lot of good lads with there. Then Andy Monkhouse, Andy Monkhouse, yes. another one. Uh, that's where I first met Andy. It's uh, peanut butter sandwich or toast ritual before each game. Just, just opens it up, and I'm thinking, what's he eating again? Him just has this ritual of, of that. But 
I'm thinking, is, is he not past it anymore? I remember watching him in League Two or whatever, and then his technical ability and the way he can control a game, absolutely outstanding. And then it finished with um, my uh, Marine away, and uh, Cal Patton wow. puts one in the puts one in the stanch, and uh, Ke- you and you and me Kev, were in the bar that afternoon. Yeah. Um, and then there was a night out in Liverpool, I believe, wasn't there? Wow, what a night out that was! <laughs> Honest to God, it was it just capped off a great season that night out. Uh, <laughs> Honestly, God, some of the antics that went on that, that night, I can't voice on this podcast. Yeah, but, uh, they're probably not unbelievable. Worth, they're not worth mentioning, Kev. <laughs> no, no, mate, no. Uh, it was good to see us out there. Like I say, it was one of the best nights I've had out there. Yeah. Nice way to finish, wasn't it? it was yeah. Night, yeah. You did struggle that Jager bomb, though, Kev. I do remember that bit. Honest to God. I'm, I'm not a big drinker, Paul. Like, no, quite a lot of the lads like a pint after a game and all that. I don't really drink, but when I go out on a night out, I just put them away and like I say, I'm not a good drinker. I get drunk after half a pint. I remember we, uh, the coach arrived and uh, we had a chat and um, I said, as he named the 11 yet, and you said, I'm injured anyway, Dan, I'm drinking. <laughs> that was it, yeah. I was I was just thinking, I think it was boiling as well that day. It I was, just it was thought, a This can be one of the games where Obviously, you can't have a pint if you're injured. Like, if Charlie caught me having a pint, you know, during the season, he'd go out and go off it. Uh, but it was end of the season, sunny. I said to you, we're having a drink. Let's, let's yeah. get on it, you know what I mean? <laughs> let's start early. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, why not? Why not? And then, and then um, are, we, uh, are we allowed to go, go on to uh, Scarborough Athletic? Ooh. We'll, have, oh. we'll have a chat about them. We'll have a chat about them. Go on, we'll have a chat about them. Like, but... Uh, We'll have a chat regardless. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, obviously you, you finished at Whitby and it was 295 games that you finished on. So just shy of 300, Kev. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously you got to Darlington, released and Scarborough Athletic knocking on the door. Yeah. Uh, it was one of them where it sort of followed the Darlington uh, sort of set up. It was, I didn't know... A lot about Scarborough. I just remember Jimmy ringing me, saying uh, the manager wanted to talk with me. I think I was signing for Whitby Town literally the day after. Uh, and Scarborough came and gave me a phone call the day before. And uh, he said the manager wants to have a word with me. So he told me about the club, Jimmy Beadle. So I looked it up, realised that, you know, it was a club that was obviously, goes without saying they were in the league. And then they'd, they'd come through the leagues just like a Adalo. And I've seen that they were getting 2,000 supporters and I just thought, Jesus Christ, this could be like another Downton. Maybe I could win another league. Uh, I remember talking to the manager and I'm not afraid, afraid to say, Paul, I, I got offered a, a really good contract, what I couldn't turn down. And I remember speaking to Chris with a heavy heart saying, you know, thanks for getting me back fit. Uh, I really enjoyed my football with Chris and the lads there. But this is a contract where... I had a couple of kids now. Uh, I said, I, I can't turn down. Yeah, Again, understandable. It's like we were saying, into you know, there's football, but then there's a reality to life. We're, we're all people. We've all got kids. We've all got mortgages. Um, fair play to you, mate. Um, but no, I can understand why, money aside, it mm. did have a look and a feel of, of Darlow, didn't it? It did, yeah. It was exactly, well... <laughs> 
honestly, God, it was like carbon copy. The cameras, the, the day I went up to sign, I went to uh, Weatherby. There was, there was about three cameras, video cameras. There was fans outside. The chairman was there, the manager, the board. There was Scarborough flags everywhere. They set this room up. I don't know if it was shut for sure, whether it was just for us, but it was, it was like, felt like a league club. And I thought, Jesus Christ, this is, this is a good feeling, this, because I went in a bit of the dark. I only listened to my mate Jimmy told, tell me what it was like and seeing Scarborough's goals where, you know, about 2,000 fans were watching at home. So I thought, this is another massive club that I'm signing for here. How did you go on, though, like, from a personal point of view? Because it's a bit of a trek, isn't it, Middlesbrough to Scarborough? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I, he wanted me, and I said to him, Obviously, the contract was really good. The setup was brilliant. The fan base was massive. I just said the travelling might get a bit too much. So he's, he was adamant he wanted to do anything to get me. Uh, he said, what if I sign a player from your area? Who have you got in mind? So I said, "There's Leon Scott's just being released from down. He's my friend. He's a good centre midfielder. Uh, if you can do your homework on him for a day, uh, 24 hours or whatever, however long you need, maybe he could travel up with me. Um Anyways, he ran me back within half an hour. Uh, I know the Leon Scott you're talking about. Yeah, Afcast kids centre midfield, tattoos, really good leader, loves their tackle, you know, good player. He says, uh, can I talk to him? So I rang Leon. Leon, I'd spoke with him, said, yeah, everything was good. So I had someone to travel with. Wasn't bad. Uh, straight away, fitted in well with the Scarborough team. The Scarborough fans loved me. Uh, and... It's just a shame that didn't Leon didn't get off to a good start. It was he done well, and then he went on. You know what, Leon Scott's he's, he's a professional model. Uh, he'd have to go away to Dubai or Ibiza, and he'd go away for two weeks, uh, come back, and he wasn't the player that he was. And then he'd just start getting his feet under the table again, have a really good game, uh, and the chairman, the, the chairman and the manager pulled him in and said, "We need you to stay here." But he said, "Listen, I'm earning thousands and thousands of pounds. I can't quit modelling." So it didn't work well for Leon. And then the second half of the season, I had uh, all the travelling to do myself. I had all the training sessions, an hour and a half. Get My home games were an hour and a half. They met at Manchester Escape for away games. It really took its toll on me. Uh, I'd done really well at Scarborough. Uh, it's just the travelling absolutely killed me. You were meeting in Manchester for an away game? Meeting at Escape or escape, it was. Uh, well, the, the ski slope. The ski slope, yeah, that's where we Off the M60. So you were yeah. driving from Middlesbrough to Manchester to get yeah. on a coach. Yeah. To go off for what another hour, maybe two hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as you could tell, even though everything pointed at Scarborough, I was doing well. I, we got into the the uh, North Riding Senior Cup final against Mask United. Uh, I remember playing against York City. Honestly, I think it was about a sellout at Scarborough's ground. What a game that was. Nil-nil, went through on penalties. Uh, then we went to the Riverside, one of the, the best night I had in a Scarborough shirt. Uh, again, family and friends all there. It's a game, the North Riding at the time. I remember going to support Whitby Town against Pickering. Uh, it's a game where all the leagues are finished. And all managers, coaches, players from all clubs all go and watch it, the game at the Riverside. £10, yeah. bit of footy to watch. And I remember watching uh, Whitby Towns Pickering on that night thinking, I would love a bit of this. Do you know what I mean? I'd love to win that trophy. Uh, finally got there with Scarborough. 
And like I say, played against Mask United, which were a fantastic team at the time, gave us a really tough game. Uh, and we went through on penalties that night, and that was another great night of celebrations. I was going to ask you about that one. Did you have the home dressing room of the away one? Yeah, we had the home. Red shirt, home dressing room, Riverside Stadium. I felt, honestly, God, I felt like I was playing for Middlesbrough again. <laughs> and the all the Scarborough fans shouted Borough as well. So I think a couple of, I think my mum and dad said a few of the youngsters from Mask United obviously support Middlesbrough. So as soon as Scarborough shouting, come on, Borough, the Mask United fans, all the kids were shouting, come on, Borough, joining them with Scarborough. <laughs> but yeah, that was a great night. Um, as a, yeah. yeah, go on, Dan. I was just going to say, as a Middlesbrough fan, to win a trophy and lift a trophy at the Riverside must have been really special. Oh, honestly, God, it was, it made it extra special. Uh, a place where I'd watched Middlesbrough from being six year old, played on there in the reserves and youth team, but to play football in front of like, you know, 3,000 that were there, to lift a trophy, that meant something so much to Scarborough. I remember the chairman coming down saying, Trevor Bull. Uh, he's never won this trophy. Uh, he wants it so bad. Make sure we win this trophy tonight against a really good masks, mask outfit. Um, and like I say, lifting that trophy after the game, that penalty being saved, the knee slide into the fans, absolutely fantastic. And uh, a couple of Derby games wow. against Whitby as well. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there was, yeah. A couple of them. But uh, going on, uh, I think we changed managers. Uh, John Deasy came in and uh, changed with Steve Kitrick and leading to my end to Scarborough. Uh, I had a really good game that, that night. Uh, I had a good season and he basically left me a phone call with a message on my phone straight after that game telling me he wanted to build a team around me. Uh, met him a week later uh, Scotch Corner once again I said to him it's going to take a lot for me the travelling is is killing uh, told him how many hours it took me to get home games and away games so I sort of needed a bit more of a wage what I was already getting uh, agreed a deal um, shook hands basically told me the players he wanted to bring in and literally a team around me uh, I thought I was sorted all that summer and I'd say a week before the season started, uh, I get a, a message, like a, a text message off him saying that he's so sorry, uh, he's had to go down another route. Uh, and he signed a player from Bradford Park Avenue, a fringe player. Uh, the money I was asking for and the budget the chairman gave him was just, it was just too much. But he, he told me by text about six weeks after he already shook hands with me. Seems, seems a coward's way out, that. Yeah, it was. It left a bit of taste in my mouth, Paul. It was. I respected John when he came in, gave everything for him. Uh, like I say, give me the man of the match on that cup final night. Buzzed off me for an hour and basically said he wanted to build a team around me. Shook hands. You shake hands with a man. You think your deal's done. I didn't think about signing papers. It was probably naive on my point where I should have probably asked for the paperwork, but I just thought a man's shake was you know a done deal. So basically scrambling about for a club. You know, most clubs a week to pre-season, the budgets are spent. Uh, but yeah, that's how it ended with Scarborough. And a lot of Scarborough fans thought I left for money reasons. It, it, it wasn't the case. It was just, I couldn't get my point across to thousands of fans that I've got kids at home. I've got a, a job at home. 
Uh, I'm traveling hours away by myself, nobody in the Northeast that could travel with me. Uh, and the way that I went, obviously, I'd done a, a, a sort of an interview. And when it came out, I got a lot of messages and condol- condolences saying that they wish that I was still at Scarborough. That's yeah. all you can say, really, isn't it? That's all yeah, that you, you know, that's all you can yeah. ask for. Yeah. Then it was um, it was a move to Mask United. Then Kev, um, and then that's that's obviously where you've stayed since. Um, I mean, that Mask United side that that was there at that point was was a good side, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was a side I played in the final. Uh, it was a really good side to give. We were a really good outfit, Scarborough. And for one reason or another, we, we finished sixth that season. Uh, we didn't get in the playoffs. Um, and it had all the, everything there to get in the playoffs and go. Uh, it was a better team that Scarborough's had that, that they have now. Uh, I wouldn't be ashamed to say that team's better than the one that we had. But the Scarborough team when I was there was a really good team. For one reason or another, it didn't, it didn't produce the goods. Uh, so, like I say, we played against Mask United. Didn't know too much about Mask, to be honest with you. Just knew that there were 10 minutes, five minutes from my home. Uh, and when I played against them that final, I thought, Jesus, like, these are a really good outfit. Uh, a couple of players away from being a promotion winning side. Uh, spoke to Carl, obviously, because he's seen me in the final. And he was like, I can't believe that you're on the market. Uh, we what we're desperate for you. You know, we want you. We'll do everything we can to get you and just once again, made me feel that another club that really wanted me and that was desperate to get me. So, Mask United's where I went, yeah. And closer to home as well. And on, on fam- a family never, man, you know. Yeah, Dan, I've never, I've never played so close to home. Uh, five, seven minutes exactly. It probably takes me to get there. Seven minutes. Uh, it feels like I've still got a life on a Saturday, you know, instead of travelling everywhere. Uh, and like I say, it's just... I think he signed Maloney that year. He signed Jack Norton that year. Uh, and like you say, we done really well that season. Um, and then all I said to Carl is I'm, I'm quite close with Carl. And like I say, he's brought Macker in. Uh, unbelievable coach. Uh, a lot of knowledge in non-league. Talks a lot of sense in the changing rooms. The lads instantly respected him. Uh, great player. And we just said we need a couple of strikers just, just to finish off our... You know, our solid displays and in comes Boise and Matty Tigerman. And then you're just thinking, I just remember this season, we were blowing teams away uh, where we'd struggle at City of Liverpool, uh, Mossley, uh, Wakenton. These clubs were saying it was after the games. Jesus Christ, like, you, you have got to win this league with the team you've got this season. And that's coming from players in the clubhouse. I mean, Matty Tigerman, you look at his start to the season this year, he'd scored, was it 17, 18 goals? Honestly, God, Paul, he must be absolutely gutted that the season stopped. Uh, I think Matty's got about 18 goals. Bosch, Boise's got about 15. Uh, Kate's round, always flying. Um, and then you, you just you just look there, the front three, just absolutely unbelievable. And then you've got your your Butts and Gotti in midfield. They're like, you know, Northern League stalwarts, great players. And then the back, the back four. You've got obviously your your Lebo, me, Rio, Weeds. That's been at the club for ten years. Uh, Connor Smith's coming. Just outrageous. Your Louis Maloney's, your Louis Johnson. It's just a great team, and I just I'm gutted that the season couldn't uh, couldn't continue. Sounds like you're enjoying your football as well. Yeah, well, that's that's what it's about, isn't it? It's 
it's it's perfect. It's a perfect fit, uh, Dan. It's it's seven minutes away from home exactly. <laughs> it's plenty. Do, do you allow six and a half? Six and a half if I run it. <laughs> uh, great team, great management, uh, great great club. Uh, like I said, if they set up, I don't know for one reason or another. If the set up could you know build maybe get another FA Cup run and rebuild on that you know that set up, it could be really a good club. I was going to say about your FA Cup stuff. You're becoming a bit of a sort of specialist outfit for the FA Cup. Yeah, it was like I said, the FA Cup and the FA Trophy. It just felt, you know, when you've got the momentum and you just you just feel like you're going to win every game. Uh, I actually thought we were going to get really far. Like I know we got to five games, uh, obviously stopped by an incredible Black Brackley side uh, that showed the levels. To be honest with you, we went into that game thinking we were going to win it, uh, but that did show the levels. They were an outstanding outfit. Uh, played them if we played them at home. I think Carl said it was were unbeaten at home in sixteen months. And that's some record for for a home team at any level. So, and we obviously got to beat my old club Scarborough in the semi-finals. That must have felt good. It must have felt pretty good. It did, yeah. Obviously, the young Borough side we got in the quarters beat, and then Scarborough. That was an outstanding feeling. Didn't mind putting that one on Twitter. Uh, and then, like I say, listening to Friday and again with mask. Do you set as a captain, as a player, as a, as a squad? Do you? Do you change your mentality to cup football? Do you set up differently for cup football? No, it's just knockout football. You just you know in a cup, if you lose, you're out. Basically, uh, you set up exactly the same as the league, but it's just that feeling of uh, maybe he's, when you're playing against a top team uh, and it's nil nil last five minutes, you might sit back and think we don't want to lose this. You know, it's a good point away from home at the FCs or wherever we're in, we're in a cup you sort of more go for it. So I think that's that's the only difference. If you, obviously you've had a good league uh, season as well. Is the cup a bit of an escape? Yeah, it's an escape if you're, if you're struggling in the league. Uh, if you're really doing well in the league, you want to continue in the league. You just want them points racking up on the board. You want gaps to appear. Uh, you want to pull away from other teams and sort of having a cup yeah, it's good to have a cup if you're winning. But like I say, if you're losing in the league, it can be a good thing too, yeah. yeah. And I guess I guess the next question is, what does the future hold? The future is uncertain at the minute in these times. I'm out of contract this year. Uh, everything that's going on with COVID, I think a lot of players will be in the same boat. Uh, players that have probably got contracts they don't know what's happening players that are out of contract don't know clubs' budgets don't know what they're doing I don't think until the season draws closer to maybe his next season and this COVID starts to obviously die away maybe he's in the summer hopefully these vaccines come out in mass numbers uh, things will start to come to light I'd like to think I think uh, for me this might be a controversial viewpoint, but I think that to get a season done, I think they need to pick up where they left off at some point. They need to see us, even if it's yeah. a six-month cap, they just need to finish a set of fixtures. Oh, you know, honestly, honestly you, would, you would think that, but you just don't know what's going to happen. Do you? I've heard all sorts. I've heard they were going to, some crazy things. I've heard that they're going to split our league in half and have a mini league, this half against this half league, or they were going to do a points tally. I think they've done a points tally the other... I think about four days ago, actually, Mask finished third. 
So there's a lot of a lot of things that there were, you know, suggestions that they were putting out. It's just I just want football to be back ASAP because I'm lost without it. And you're gonna keep playing, keep going as long as you can. Oh, Dan, honestly, I feel like you say with it being locked down. Uh, I haven't been. I normally only train on the Tuesday and Thursday where it's a lot of running and training. And the other days I'm conditioning myself with weights and balance and all that type of stuff. But because of lockdown and this COVID, all I've done is run. So I feel really fit. I'm smashing times that, that I've done five years ago. Uh, so one thing I took out of this break in COVID is I've just been like a, a running horse. Do you know what I mean? I feel really fit. 33 years old, if I can play as long as possible. You know, you've got your Alan White who played till they were 40. Do you know what I mean? That's centre-half. So I'll play as long as, as long as I can. Good man. Yeah, absolutely. What we like to hear, isn't it? And uh, yeah, so we'll finish off then, Kev, and I'll give you a little bit of forewarning on this one. Oh. Your uh, your best eleven that you've played with. Oh, you've written it down. Look at this. <laughs> Look at this. Well, yes. now you see, Kev. Did you get some warning here? I, I got, I got. A, it's the only one that I got a bit of warning on because it would have been really harsh to put that on me after a, you know a few clubs that I've been at and all the players that I've played with. We, we put it on Charlie last week. <laughs> Didn't tell him. Didn't tell him. Just put it straight on him. Oh, that is, that's awful. On the spot. So, right. Well, let's let's have your let's have your pre-prepared. Yeah, <laughs> Best this is, eleven. This is, this is two hours prep on this one. It's just I, I didn't really want to do it in eleven because there's that many players that I've played with that are outstanding at all the clubs I've played at. Uh, but obviously, if I have to pick an 11, I'll probably pick the ones that I had great pa- partnerships with or someone that brought something out of me in the game or something that I think that would, you know, outstanding. Go for it. Right. Who's in goal? So, number one, um, we've got David Stockdale. Uh, obviously, spent two years, three years at Downton with him. He's at Brighton FC now. Absolute unit. Uh Got a scar off him in my forehead that I'll never shake off. But uh, comes for crosses. Absolute unbelievable. One of the best kickers I've ever seen, by the way. Could probably clear a full-size pitch. And like I say, he's having a good career at Brighton. And uh, go on then. There's got to be a little bit of this that's on the on the hoof. Otherwise, it's not fair on Chardy. So dress, dress, what's he like in the dressing room? Chardy? No, Stockdale. What's your dre- Stockdale. what's your dressing room going to feel like for this best eleven? So Stockdale's in the dressing room. What kind of character is he? Oh, he's a he's a fun, big, friendly giant. Bounces about, loud. You know, gets people going. He's just the average keeper. Do you know what I mean? The crazy arm. And you've got to be a bit of crazy if you've been out balls blasted at your all the time. Yeah. No, I don't think we're yet to meet a keeper who isn't a little bit crazy. Very true. Yeah. So no, that's a that's a decent start there. That's a quality yeah. number one there. Yeah. So you're into you're into your back back four. You're going four back four two. Four, I'm just going four four two. Yeah. Uh, two centre halves. This is a really hard one because I play with a lot of great centre halves, and I don't want to. I don't like to obviously not name people, uh, but the one partnership that brought a lot out of me, and I still call him a brother today, is me and Gary Brown. Uh, Absolute man mountain, the almost honest player I've ever played with. If he's had a bad game, he's the first person to tell everybody. Some players, when they've had a bad game, sort of hide from it. You know, they won't talk or whatever. Gary Brown stands up and says, I had a shocker today. But very rarely did he have one of them. 
Uh, a lot of strikers. He was in the league for the hair playing against him. Absolute elbows. Loved the tackle more than me, I think. Just a crazy six foot two centre half. But what a leader. Uh, left back, Terry Galbraith. Uh, another one at Darlington. Uh, absolute wand. Just probably, I think he set up every single one of my goals. Uh, couldn't get past him. Couldn't get past him. Absolute unit. Looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger when he took his top off. Absolute unit. Uh, right back, we've got Kieser. Kieran yes. Yes. Uh, Whitby Town uh, played with Kieser. I was on the right side with Kieser and literally no one could get by us. I think they tried twice and then they would just go down the left. Just try the left arm. They were like, We're not, we can't get past them too. But Kieser, what a defender. Lightning quick, strong. Like I said, Scarborough snapped him up. I think they wanted him for the, a couple of years. And and do you think, because I've seen Keezer play in every position except goalkeeper, I think, is that where you feel Keezer's well, best? Right, right back, yeah. Right back, he's outstanding defender. I haven't seen anyone get past Keezer. Uh, like I say, not naturally gifted technically, but decent enough, uh, but an absolute machine. Like Literally, I, I, I didn't see one left winger or striker get past Keezer. What a and having um, having Terry and Terry Galbraith and Keezer running up them wings, you're a pretty oh, yeah. mobile back four there, aren't you? That's it, yeah. So big, strong, aggressive, a wall, a wall, and a, a, probably a wall that a lot of strikers are probably here playing against. Uh, the winger I've got right wing is Stephen Thompson. Played with him at Middlesbrough days, coming through the ranks, and obviously Downton. Literally, I've never seen anyone hit a ball like Stephen Thompson. Absolute rocket from anywhere on the pitch. Just a big ball, like a little bulldozer of a player. Can just skills. Honest to God, he could win a game. If it's nil-nil, he gets a ball. You think, we've won this game. He just could just hit it from anywhere on the pitch and just sit flying. Uh, I think his goals on Instagram are probably the best goals I've ever seen, videos-wise. Uh, left wing, I've got Michael Coulson. Yeah, uh, Scarborough. Obviously, he's had a great. He's had a great career. Kumlo. Uh, when I was at Scarborough, obviously, he told me about his days where he's played in the FA Cup and all that against Chelsea. Uh, technically, what a player! Another one that's a match winner. Give the ball to Kumlo, and he can just he can put it in from anywhere. Uh, centre midfield, I've got Lee Catamol. Uh, I picked Lee Catamol through obviously my Borough days. Didn't want to pick too many of the Borough lads because it would have been easy. Uh, and I felt like the, t- the players I picked so far, I had a great relationship with off the pitch as well as on the pitch. Uh, and Katz is one of them where <clears throat> I've seen him out a couple of times and he's come down from like VIP, dragging me and all my mates up and uh, just buying us drinks all night. But a leader, once again, loves a yeah. tackle. And people think, again, a bit like myself, but on a extreme level, his aggressiveness, his leadership, his tackling takes away from him. He was good technically. He could slap the ball about. Uh, great player. Well, I've got my best mate in his prime, Macca, from Whitby Days. He was at Harrogate, Newcastle Blue Star. Had a lot of arguments with Macca, even though we're best mates on the pitch, uh, where we just used to, honest to God, some of the things we used to see each other. You think we were on the opposing team, but uh, we used to do it to get the best out of each other. But Macca, for a for a small lad, I, th- I didn't ever see him winning it, losing it. Uh, technically gifted, another player where he'd run by, and for a small lad, the leadership 
he dragged players up and said, come on, let's push forward. Another great leader and a great player. You've, you have um, got there, you've got, if just to before we go on to the front two, you've got a team of absolute leaders there. Yeah. How are you going to name a captain, Kev, at the end of this? Um, a captain? I'll, I'll save that for the manager. I think every single player is a captain, aren't they? <laughs> they are. That is a, that is a true it team is. of captains. I mean, the catamol there, you know, like you say, he could, he could spray a ball about. Could. It's a good It's a good point. And it's one that you feel you you were on the wrong side of in your career. You have to you have to be technically gifted to survive at Premier League level. To survive at MPL level, you've got to have an ability. And it's just that if you've got an attribute that's bigger, that's what people focus on, and they ignore that technical. You've just hit the nail on the head. You can't be a Premier League player. You get these you get these fans, it really rubs my back up. You see on Facebook, oh, he can't play football and all that. And he's, he's Dave who's playing father's side, you know what I mean? Who's falling over the ball. Do you know what I mean? You can't say anything about anyone. Lee Catamall, I've trained with him for three years, every day, every single day, Monday to Friday, and played on a Saturday with him. He could spray a ball with his left foot and his right foot. Uh, technically, you could... The, the pace of Premiership football is ridiculous. The I don't know if you see it on telly, the venom, the ball comes in here and slapped and passed because of the quickness of the pace is out of this world. You've got to take a, your touch has got to be good and then you've got to follow that and slap it in. So Lee Catamol is technically very good. It's just his other attributes take away from that. Yeah. And I think, um, like you say, you suffered with that. Keezer to an extent as well. I mean, it, like Keezer, you said, yeah. technically, technically gifted enough, yeah, to, enough to stand to stand out at that level and and for, for teams to be looking at him for, for levels above. But everybody concentrates on his athleticism and his um, yeah. He's he's, well, a, he's an absolute specimen, isn't he? You know. Oh yeah, he is. He'd be he'd be an horrible player to try and get past. And Keezer, I think all he needs to do, Keezer, I think as you go up the levels, you've got to as a right back. You've got to be a good crosser of a ball. You look at Trent and Robertson, the way they whip balls in, you know, it's relentless and it's it's in the box, it's in that corridor. That's what you look for. You just look for that corridor between the keeper and the defenders where defenders can't go for him. You know, if it's a defender, it's going in. Or the striker, it's, it's you know, it's cherries for him. But Keyser, uh, if, if I could give him any, you know, advice, it would be just to work on his, his crossing ability. Uh, because everything else, he's got it. Uh, going up to up front, goals. Uh, I have put this lad in, another one from Middlesbrough days, because I've never seen a striker bang goals in like him. Played in the reserves with him for a year and a half and every day. Danny Graham, absolutely unbelievable. Lightning quick, and he could finish a ball. Literally, unbelievable he was. There was him. And well, the best player I think I played against, De Rossi, uh, them two were always every year uh, seventy odd goals a season every 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 season for uh, reserves. Them two were just like that, but he is a hell of a striker. And like to say, the career he's had has been outstanding. He has, he, and you know him. Like you say, ability cannot be questioned, but he's moved around a bit, hasn't he? He has, yeah. Maybe that's I don't know. It might be one thing or another. I, I don't know. But when I was with him at Middlesbrough. Uh, he, he was a workhorse. He was lightning quick, uh, could hold the ball up. 
deceivingly great in the air. Uh, I remember being my first game at Downton. My first game was against Sunderland Fest team. And it was when Downton fans got to see us all play. And I was marking Danny Graham and Jermaine Defoe. Uh, <laughs> and they give us a tough game. But like you say, at halftime, we were winning 2-1. But they ended up winning us 4-2. But Danny Graham, absolutely unbelievable striker. Could finish from anywhere. And he was lightning quick. What do you think of Jermaine Defoe? Because I've, I've seen Jermaine Defoe play a few times and I'm astounded by his movement off the ball. Uh, yeah, I've got a famous picture of Jermaine Defoe where he's in and I've done a hellish block tackle uh, and he's gr- dragging my top as I blocked it. So that one, I'll uh, need a shot in a poster. But uh, outstanding. I've watched his career at Tottenham and all that. He's, and like I say, what a player he is. Well, clever, isn't he? Everybody knows Jermaine Defoe. Clever, really clever, because he's small. Uh, you don't realise, when you see him on the thing, you think, oh, he's, he looks athletic. But when I was stood next to him, he was really small. Uh, but his movement, so clever. So who's your, who's your second? Uh... Second one, this was rock hard. Honestly, God, like it's been really hard to pick this team. But he came into Downton and he was a player where I could look for week in, week out. I could give him the ball up in the air. I could give it to his feet. I could give it to him in the channel and he'd always look after it, which made me look better. And it was Mark Beck. Uh, he's at Harrogate Town now having a great yeah. career. Uh, yeah. But six foot six, I think he is. Uh, oh my God. When you played against him in training, he was a unit, uh, really tall. He could just hold the ball up for fun. He could pin you and put you where you wanted. And like I say, you put that diagonal ball in the box. Mark Beck headed it and won every ball. He made me look amazing, honestly. Uh so yeah, they're the two strikers. It's a four-four-two, and I've just put, I've done a little bench just because I have to get these players in. I've got David Campbell in goal, uh, Tom Portis, Graham Armstrong, David Wheater, and Leon Scott, because uh, they were big parts of my career, and I love playing with them. I think that is a pretty solid match day squad there, Kev. Yeah, I think, I think it is. Yeah, I think I'm already. I'm already getting excited about Terry Galbraith curling balls in for Mark Beck's head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've got a wall then and we've got goals. Midfield as well. You've got uh well, I won't I don't think I'd get near the wall with that midfield. No, you've got obviously Kulo, Maka, Lee Catamol and Stephen Thompson running about. So yeah, it's a good midfield as well. It is indeed. Yeah, Lee Catamol and Maka. That's horrible. That's horrible. That's, horrible, yeah, Kev. Horrible. <laughs> that's, horrible. that's absolutely minging, Kev. And then if you get past them, you've got Gary Brown and Kev Burgess. Honestly, God. You know what? I'd have to be subbed off. Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of those, you look for it at the start of the season. Don't fancy that one. Red no. card the game before. That might be an hamstring on the Thursday night, that one, I think. Yeah, maybe. Ah, <laughs> oh, brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. Um, Kev. I mean, what a lineup for a start! But you know, what a what a chat tonight as well about your career. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Yeah, I know, mate. Cheers, Paul. Dan, it's been a pleasure talking about it. Really enjoyed it, mate. And thanks for inviting me on. <laughs> <laughs>